Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bonsoir tout le monde, good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another edition of Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. I am the Bear of Texas reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of God Bless Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, let's once again give a warm welcome to my good friend and my mentor, Mr. Steve Adams. How's it going, Steve? Hey Alex, a uh, lot of talking points, uh, just Saw some sad news today. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, San, the Santa Ana wind's been blowing big time here in my part of the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. But um, at least I was able to catch uh, some of the Champions League games and some of the some of the EPL stuff this weekend. So let's get to it. Let's get to it. And, Dean, we're going to go ahead and start with last weekend's Premier League campaign. Well, we're going to go ahead and... We're going to cut right to the chase. Let's go ahead and start with, well, here's one that we both got wrong, a prediction, Burnley and Everton. Turns out to be a 1-1 draw. I honestly did not see that coming. Yeah, I thought I thought Everton would win this one, you know, fairly fairly easily. Burnley's been very pedestrian, uh, to say the least, this year. So, um, And granted, yeah, it is a home game at Burnley, but uh, Everton's had enough quality, and they've looked good. Uh, in other road games this year. So, you know, definitely I think Paulo Ancelotti will think that this is two points lost uh, for the Blues. Well, same guy scoring, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Now he's actually the top scorer in the Premier League with 11, and he's trailed by Sun Hong Min, who has 10. He's just having a monster year. <laughs> just absolute monster breakout year. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the, the English national team, the manager, uh, uh, Gareth Southgate, he's got to consider this guy for England's World Cup qualifiers, and we'll talk about World Cup qualifiers later, but this dude, to say that he's making a name for himself would be a hell of an understatement, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, one game that went pretty much as expected, Man City pretty well had their way with Fulham, uh, no problem, 2 to nothing win for the Citizens in that one. Um, just... 
uh, goals from Sterling and uh, De Bruyne with a with a penalty. Uh, De Bruyne had a really really nice assist on Sterling's goal. Well, that's De Bruyne for you, or should I say Tantin, just for humor reasons. Yeah, it, it it is it never ceased to amaze me how much De Bruyne looks so much like the the Belgian uh, comic book character, Ten Ten Incarnate. West Ham and Manchester United. That was a game of two halves. Uh, West Ham looked really good in the first half. Uh, probably actually should have had a couple more goals. They were actually a little wasteful in front of the Manchester United net, uh, Susick with a goal, but he actually could have had a couple other goals in the first half. See, the, see the, what's funny is um, when, while I was uh, following this game, I was actually setting up uh, the new Christmas tree that my mom had gone, which, by the way, is the most beautiful one I've ever seen, I've ever, ever had in the family. So, you know, I see, like, we're already losing 38th minute. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go, and then it's halftime. Then all of a sudden, you know, I got so distracted setting up the tree, I, I stopped looking at the score every 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden, I look at my phone, and I say, it's equalized. And then I, de- I look deeper in the in the goal app to see who scored it, because that's kind of my thing. And I see that's none other than, than actually one of my favorite players, Paul Pogba. Like, wow, this dude, this is like, this. I believe this is the first time since early last season he's actually scored a goal for Manchester United. It was a very nice goal at that. Um, you know, Bruno Fernandes with an assist, uh, Tellez and Mata with the other two assists, Greenwood and Rashford with the other Man U goals. But the big, the big thing with Pogba though is uh, that his agent pretty much saying that uh, his man Paul Pogba he wants out at Old Trafford and he wants out as soon as possible, preferably in the winter transfer window. Uh, some talk if he'll go back to Italy, but. Um, but you know, Pogba also, you know, he's for the most part he's really underperformed. I mean, given the guy's level of talent and how well he plays, I mean, you know he's got it in him when when he's playing with the with the French national team. But uh, it just seems like in his last four years, where he's been at Man U since he came over from Juventus. Um, it just seems like, you know, his heart just really doesn't seem to be into it. I'm not sure what's going on as far as Paul Pogba and the whole thing going on at Old Trafford. I mean, you know me, Stephen. You know how much I love Paul Pogba. I mean, I don't like when people say he's overrated. He's not overrated. The problem is the tactics at Manchester United do not fit his style of play or his talents. I mean, you've seen numerous times on the Facebook page, Stoppage Time FC, how many times I've been laughed at or ridiculed for defending Paul Pogba. And I just, I mean, at the end of the day, I said, well, you can say whatever you want. He won the World Cup for his country, and he scored a goal in the final. But in my opinion, I mean, as soon as I saw this report that his agent said that, I rolled my eyes because I'm, the first thing I said to myself, how many times have we, have, have we heard this in the past year or so? I mean, how, how, how much longer is, is this bull crap going to keep going? I mean, now, I, before I, we got on here, I saw a report that says, now, man, you want him out. So I'm like, well, if they want him out so bad, make it happen. You know, if, if he wants out too, you know, come to a deal, get it done. Because it's like I just said, we, we've been hearing this over a year. I mean, when, when is this BS going to stop? Well, it's become Bruno Fernandez's team now. You know, Fernandez front center um, based on his performances on the field. And 
things turned around for Man U when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer bought him in. He bought him off the bench in the second half, and all of a sudden it just in, injected instant life into Manchester United. So um, I just think it's at a point where um, you know he's he's had his run at Old Trafford, and I think uh, I think for Paul Pogba, it's time for you know the next adventure in his career mm-hmm. because his time is clearly over at, at Manchester United. Yeah, and you know all this thing about the whole thing with Real Madrid. You know what? I'm I'm gonna rule that possibility because I really feel like if Real Madrid really, really, really wanted him, it would have happened already. Hmm. I you know I still I still think that's something that can happen. I wouldn't I wouldn't totally rule that out yet. But uh, I don't know. A lot of the talk seems to be more about him going back to Italy. I mean, it would be good, uh, although there was another rumor today that I saw on, on the Goal app that Zinedine Zidane plans on leaving his position once the season's over. So if that's the case, I would, if I, if, if I'm sure Paul Pogba, he might still have interest in going to Real Madrid, but if I were Pogba, you know, if Zidane's not there, I'd lose a little bit of interest because I, I don't want to play against the greatest French soccer player of all time. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, but... Um... But that's but that's pretty much it. You know, the yeah. good news good news for Man U, uh, they had a great second half against West Ham, got the three points. Uh, not so great news. They crashed out <laughs> Europe, but that's that's a story we'll get to in a little bit. Yes, sir. And now we'll get to Chelsea and Leeds United. You know, I <laughs> the last few games, I, I found myself cheering for Chelsea, and it's all because. A certain player named Olivier Giroud all of a sudden is proving why he's possibly the most underrated French football player in history. And honestly, one of the most underrated footballers in history, period. He's certainly the most underrated French player. Um, you know, he, he does not get, get a lot of love in a lot of quarters. And, and I mean, particularly this year, all the guy does is keep scoring. And it doesn't matter whether he's wearing a blue Chelsea jumper or if he's wearing a blue French jumper. I mean, he's, you know, just been lights out. He just keeps scoring goals. Um, you know, cashed in on a, on a nice assist from James to, to score Chelsea's first goal. Um, Chelsea had to go to the bench. Uh, Christian Pulisic was on the bench to start with. But um, after after their Moroccan forward um, Zyrich, uh, he got injured like twenty minutes in, and they had to bring Pulisic into the game, and uh, Pulisic actually scored a really really nice goal in injury time, uh, off a really nice run down the wing from Werner and just a slide rule perfect pass that Pulisic buried. So uh, he played 70 minutes, didn't get hurt. Uh, so uh, I, I think for right now, Chelsea's kind of starting to feel their oats a little bit. Um, and, you know, the beatdowns continued when they were in Europe, you know, a couple days later too. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea's sitting at six wins, four draws, and one loss. And i got to ask you, the fact that Christian Pulisic came into the game early, did you feel nervous about that? Sure. I mean, I sure. can't blame you. I mean, I did too because, you know, it's like I've explained, you know, I am a Man U fan, but overall, my main perspective, I just love Premier League football. I love watching it and writing and studying about it. But, you know, like it's like we said, you know, Christian Pulisic 
is our guy, you know, when it comes to the U.S. men's national team. So we need this dude. I mean, they're going to need him for qualifiers. And if, God willing, if the U.S. qualifies for uh, the tournament in Qatar, which, by the way, will be in November rather than in the summer, Christian Pulisic is going to be our number one guy, provided he stays healthy. So, I mean, that's yeah. why I get scared. When he's on the pitch, I'm like, dear Lord, please, please, like, you know, bless this guy. I mean, we don't want I, no more injuries for this guy. He deserves better. Let, let, let's let him do what he loves to do. Played 70 minutes, you know, got a goal, um, looked good while he, while he was in. So it was, it was win, win, win for, for Chelsea. It sure was. And they picked up the win against Leeds United and looking at Leeds United, you know, just what, what started off as a very respectable start, you know, has kind of, you know, fallen apart. I mean, now, now they find themselves down 14th, you know, four wins, two draws and five losses. It's just... You know, in the last last five games, you know, three losses, one win, and one draw. Leeds had a few chances in the first half, but they were they were pretty categorically outplayed. I think this was this was, you know, I mean, granted, you know, Chelsea they're at home and they're very loaded, but it's probably for me. I think it was Leeds's least impressive showing of the of the season so far. It sure has, and you know, there's plenty of you know soccer left to play, so there's still plenty of time for them to uh, turn it over, and hopefully they do. Now we'll get to Crystal Palace versus West Brom. Well, Crystal Palace. No surprise here. Yeah, no surprise. Yeah, five goals on the road. Uh, West Brom lost one of their players, um, Mat- Matthias Pereira, you know, to a red to a uh, red card, an automatic red card, I believe, in the 34th minute. Right after, you know, four minutes after a dude named Connor Gallagher scored uh, an equalizer for uh, West Brom, because you know it was West Brom who conceded first, the courtesy of a of an own goal, which you know was very humiliating. But but uh, but yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty thorough beatdown in the Hawthorns, and uh, you know Palace, you know they have not looked good in the last in their last few games, so for them they'll be. Really happy to come away with the Hawthorns with the win and scoring five goals. Yeah, so speaking of you know Crystal Palace, you know starting off that season against a, an upset win over Manchester United, and now they find themselves eleventh place, five wins, one draw, and five losses. Still, you know, last five games, you know, three losses and two wins. It's doesn't look too good for them, but they're gonna have to keep winning if they have any hopes of uh, keeping them alive. But now we get to Leicester City versus Sheffield United. Sheffield United is off to the worst start in EPL history. One point, count it, one point this far into the season. Uh, the Foxes definitely needed a good performance. They got goals from Perez and uh, they got a late goal from Jamie Vardy to get the win um, in Yorkshire against the Blades. But, uh, but boy, uh, it's... Definitely not looking very good for uh, Sheffield United to stay up with the big boys. I mean, like, like you just said, I mean, you couldn't you, you couldn't have uh, described the situation any better. The worst start in EPL history, and you know they are from what I am looking. Eleven games in, they are winless. One draw, ten losses. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! I mean, I wonder how Fulham has to feel about that, but in their case, they're probably just focused on themselves, which they should be, but if Sheffield mm-hmm. can't turn things around, I mean, they're going to get relegated, and it could honestly be years before they they get promoted back to the top flight of English soccer. 
Yeah, it's a tough thing to make it back. Um, London Derby, Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, Tottenham just categorically outplayed the Gunners. Um, great goals by Son and Kane. Each goal was absolutely masterclass. And the thing that makes Son and Kane so good is just not the fact that they score, but also they serve the ball so well for each other. I mean, they both assisted uh, on each other's goals. So um, they, they pretty pretty well outplayed the Gunners um, in the North London Derby. Not even close. And, um, you know, they're still – Tottenham still – number one on goal difference uh, with Liverpool. But, um, you know, and then Tottenham's defense, which, I mean, everybody rightly talks about the Son and Kane show, but Tottenham's defense has also been very, very solid. So, um, you know, Jose Mourinho had to be very, very pleased with uh, the results from Sunday. You know, I'll admit, I'll give him credit. He's actually doing a much better thought, much better job than I had originally anticipated because I really didn't believe, I didn't really have any much faith in him, but he's really doing a great job. And, you know, honestly, you know, if Tottenham is doing well, you know, might as well keep it up. But what I like about this win is, you know, I, I just love seeing Hugo Lloris keep a clean sheet. Yeah. And, um, you know, so to keep pace, Liverpool needed to win against the tr- the sometimes troublesome uh, Wolverhampton Wolves, uh, Liverpool was able to get four goals, um, comfortable win. And the one thing we also didn't mention from this weekend, certain sites in the UK, depending on the COVID infection rates, uh, certain areas had uh, their stadiums open to like 2,500 fans. So the, the games played in London there were fans for, at home for the West Ham game. There were fans uh, for the London Derby with Tottenham and Arsenal. And, th- and then in Merseyside, uh, Liverpool was able to have 2,500 fans singing You'll Never Walk Alone. And uh, they, were, they were treated to just a very, very clinical effort against Wolverhampton. Indeed, a 4 nothing win. Mohamed Salah you know, giving uh, Liverpool the liftoff. It's just... I mean, they really needed it, you know, and I, and I didn't expect, I mean, I had the faith in Liverpool winning, I just didn't think it would be this much, I mean, I I probably had, you know, 2 nothing, 2-1, to one, but bottom line is Liverpool got the job done in, spectac- in spectacular fashion, and they're basically, I mean, they're proving a point right now, Steve, and, and you know, Tottenham wants to stay on top, and Liverpool's just not going away, I mean, Tottenham's gonna have to deal with that, that, you know, wh- whoever's coming up against them, they're not gonna go away. Well, in spite of all the injuries with Liverpool, and, you know, bit by bit, they're starting to get a few of the starting pieces back. And uh, Kelleher continues to play with a great deal of confidence, the young Irish goalie who's been subbing while Allison Becker's hammy's healing up. Uh, clean sheet. He looks comfortable back there and confident. And the Liverpool defenders... They seem to have confidence too. They they seem to play with uh, a lot more sureness compared to when Adrian was the the backup goaltender for Liverpool. And um, I just I just think the Spaniard has just shown so many lapses in judgment, and he's just 
too shaky at times. So, uh, I mean, yes, Allison Becker is no question the number one goalkeeper at, at Liverpool. That's not up for discussion. But for injuries, you want to have a good goaltender that you can deputize in uh, when needed. And uh, Kelleher did a great job. So credit to the young Irishman for having a good game back at goal. Sure was, and you know, it's like that. But now we get to the final one. We get Brighton and Southampton. Well, South, you know, like I, I had said that when we when we had made those predictions last week, Southampton needed this win because they were pretty upset because they blew a two nothing win. Well, this one, this was another one that the VAR controversy uh, again reared its head. Uh, very controversial. <laughs> late penalty awarded to Southampton and uh, it was it was a pretty marginal call you know again I don't know if it was quite as bad as the call that went against um, Andy Robertson uh, at Brighton but it was still it was it was pretty pretty questionable so again we come down to the whole thing again of you know why is it that in the EPL, when other other Europeans league and the Champions League, there doesn't seem to be as many questionable decisions with VAR, but in the in the EPL, they they've taken a good idea, and um, you know quite frankly, they've turned an awful lot of fans uh, against it. VAR just really, I mean, a lot of people were not for it when it first started. Personally, me, I thought, you know what, if, if it helps maintain a bit of law and order or if it helps the ref make the right decision, fine. But either way, I mean, the VAR and the ref, they're not really going to see the same. I mean, they might see the same thing, but they're not going to think alike, if you ask me. Well, the thing, that I would like, the thing that I would like to see more often is I would like to see uh, when the referee goes to the sideline, the referee has a proper look himself at the at the video and then they can make a determination from that i would i feel much more confident about that than the decision coming from on high from the from the video match official but uh but once but once again you know a little controversy but uh southampton with the win and um you know they're right back up there in fifth place right just only a point behind lester Mm-hmm. I'm right at one point above Manchester United. <laughs> Versus, but now we get to this weekend. Well, first interesting, Leeds United versus West Ham. Well, same situation for West Ham. They're pretty upset. They just lost uh, to Manchester United at home. And, and, they want, and they want to win, but they're on the road. And Leeds United is hungry for a win, so... I, I think I'm gonna have to go a one-one draw on this one. It's kind of a pick'em game. Um, I think Leeds will come back after a kind of a disappointing performance uh, in their last game. I think I think Leeds will win this one against the Hammers. Okay. All right, and then we'll get we, let's get to Manchester United versus Manchester City. Ugh. Oh boy, oh boy. I mean, Manchester United is not a good team at Old Trafford. Their home form is just brutal, and Man City is feeling it right now. So for me, I I have to pick City. I mean, City's probably the way to, is is the proper pick. I mean, 
if Manchester United can somehow pull off a major upset, which, you know, anything is possible, this is definitely going to be a momentum changer for Man U as long as they can, as long as they can build on it. I mean, they, if they pull off a massive win and they can keep winning games, then it's worth it. But you know, if they pull off this massive win and then just start keep losing or keep suffering draws, and, you know, their Europa League performance is just nothing, I mean, it's pointless. The, win, the win's basically pointless. And it's not good to make those wins pointless. They got to mean something, especially when it comes to a classic Manchester Derby. So Wolves and Aston Villa, um, Villa their their last game um, with Newcastle that was postponed. So this will be uh, Midlands Derby, the four thirty in the morning game, my time here in LA. Which, needless to say, I will not be getting up to watch that one live. Uh, that one I'll take Villa over Wolves. I, I have to agree. I th- I th- Villa takes takes care of business. <coughs> Newcastle, Newcastle, West Brom. Uh, even though Newcastle could be really, really up and down, um, this West Brom side, it's just it's just got a lot of deficiencies in it. I I picked Newcastle to take this one up at St James's Park. I have to, uh, I'll have to agree with you on that. I, Newcastle takes it. West Brom's just not in a good place, and I, I don't see any recovery time anytime soon. Now we get to Everton and Chelsea. I think I'm gonna have to go. I think Chelsea's probably gonna have to. If Chelsea might might take this one. I'll tell you what. As good as Chelsea looked uh, over the weekend, um, I would take them over Everton at this point. Even though the game is being played in Goodison Park, and they'll actually be able to have some some fans there, since it's in Liverpool. So, uh, but I still think Chelsea gets the away win. Hopefully, uh, in my case, hopefully Olivier Giroud wins and. Maybe if we're lucky, Christian Pulisic will add a goal. Oh yeah, you know we could still, you know, even though I'm a Liverpool fan, I mean I'm always going to wish the best for any American player that's uh, that's playing overseas. Yeah, maybe maybe he'll score in deep into stoppage time. That that might be his thing. That that might be his thing this season. But hey, he's scoring. That's what matters. So I have a feeling though he's gonna. I have a feeling he'll be starting this one on the, on Saturday. It's better for him to come in as a substitute for the next couple of games. I mean, you know, still they want to they want to keep an eye on on his medical condition. They want to rush him back, and I think he needs to pick up the groove. I mean, he's scoring goals. I mean, that's a step forward. So, but they they just need to uh, take it easy. You know, not rush, and you know, just do it like that. I mean, take 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 safety precautions. What I'm trying to say because. As painful as it is to say, I mean, he's very injury prone, and I mean, and the, the, what's so scary is that injuries cut careers short. Yeah, no question. But I think with Zayic, because uh, his was a hammy glute type injury, so he's going to be out for at least you know a good couple three weeks. So I have to think that uh, you know. Mm, Hard to hard to say, you know, but I I have to think that Pulisic will be starting in view of that. Well, just hope that everything goes out well. Well, now let's get to Southampton and Sheffield. I'm not going to waste any time. Southampton. Yeah, I think this one, this one, the the Saints should win this one fairly easily down at the coast. I'm going to go four nothing for Southampton. Palace Spurs. Uh, 
road game for the Spurs. Uh, do not see them letting their their foot off the gas pedal against Crystal Palace. Yeah, I'm gonna go three three nothing Tottenham. Uh, Fulham gets the honor of hosting the defending champs Liverpool. Um, again, Liverpool is starting to get healthy again. Um, I think that they should be able to go to Craven Cottage and get the win. Yeah, I'm gonna go Liverpool two nothing. Arsenal Burnley talk about two teams that really need to win. Um, Arsenal right now sitting way down, like in 15th place right now, which is kind of an unusual spot to see the Gunners, you know, team with that much history. And, I mean, this is a big club. I mean, Arsenal is definitely part of that big six group of group of clubs in, uh, in the EPL that have, you know, fairly, fairly decent financial means uh, to be able to put a good squad together. So uh, Arsenal playing at the Emirates, they desperately need this. Burnley trying to fight the drop, you know, trying to stay away from the relegation zone, trying to claw their way out of that. They need to get a result too while they're in London. Well, going back to how you said they're the one of the uh, six teams, I mean, you can't talk English Premier League football without mentioning Arsenal. Well, it's a team with so much history. They've won the FA Cup more than than any team. And, you know, of course, during the time of Arsene Wenger, during the, the 90s, early 2000s, I mean, this was a team that it was usually between Arsenal and Man U for who was going to win the EPL. Mm-hmm. So there's just there's so much history there with the club. Uh, it's just it's just kind of unreal to see them uh, sitting in such a low spot. It, it really is, really. I mean, you know, Arsenal, Manchester United, I mean, both clubs, uh, you know, not long ago, I mean, 10 years or so ago, they were the best teams, and now look at them. And, you know, what's funny, you know, you know, when I think of Arsenal, I mean, I think about of my, my the favorite player, I, I my favorite English Premier League player of all time, Thierry Henry. And he was scoring goals, just, you know, ma- making, you know, just, just making a making a hell of a performance but it is kind of it is tough i mean even even as a man U fan even man U fans will admit it's i mean sometimes they'll jokingly say they like seeing arsenal being this slow but really at the end of the day some of them don't because you know like you said they're the top six you can't talk epl you know without mentioning arsenal but you know with arsenal being this bad it kind of makes the epl look a little bit bad too but Mm-hmm. But you know, it is. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, everybody was calling for Alston Wenger to, to be sacked, and you know, I, I warned people, it's not going to help. It's it's really not going to make things better. But... Well, manager's a piece of the puzzle. You know, it also comes down to you know the players you're developing, but also you know who you get on the market, and uh, you know Arsenal just hasn't chosen as wisely. Um, a team that's punching above their financial weight, uh, even though it's a team that did, you know, just five years ago win the EPL. Leicester City, uh, the other team from the mid, they get to go, they get to host Brighton, and Leicester City quietly has crept their way up to fourth place in the EPL. They, they sure have, and, you know, Leicester City, I mean, started off strong, you know, I think at one point they were, they were in first place, and they kind of fell, but now they're climbing back up, but... I think at this time they intend on staying on uh, on staying uh, you know up the ladder, and so that's why I think they take the swing and you know 
they're up to they're, they get to, three points. They're at twenty four. They get their eighth win. I think Leicester City. I mean, it's going to be a pretty good season for them as far as EPL football goes. So I think the Foxes get the win against Brighton and the Midlands on um, on Sunday. And Jamie Jamie Vardy, you know, may have a chance of you know taking over as the top scorer in the Premier League, but that remains to be seen. So now let's go ahead and switch our focus to the Champions League because as of today, the round of 16 is officially set and we will find out who will, uh, which team will play who. We'll find out next week on, in the, on Tuesday, I believe. Mm-hmm. I look forward to that, but I mean, <laughs> let's just go ahead and start off with Manchester United. I mean, I'll admit that was painful. That actually, was the draw painful. Is, actually, back it up. I Actually, I think the draw is Monday. I think it's the 14th. Is it okay? Well, I know it's ne- it's early next week, but but we'll definitely yeah. we'll, we'll definitely talk about that next week, right? Yeah, but as far you know, RP Le- Leipzig, you know Manchester United, man, oh man, oh man. I mean, I I, I mean after we were down two nothing with fifteen uh, into the first fifteen minutes, I was like, you know, this is just not cool. It's not cool at all, and you know, and it's over. But really, it's it's Manu's fault. They have nobody to blame but themselves. You know, it's three nothing at the sixty ninth minute until all of a sudden, with ten minutes left, Bruno Fernandez gets a penalty, which he, uh, which he takes care of, and then you know, two minutes later, well, it was said to be first scored by Paul Pogba, but now it's saying it was an own goal by a RP a Leipzig player. But really, I don't care if, if if it was Pogba involved. I always like to say he scored, but it was too little, too late. I mean, I mean, they needed a they needed a draw. A draw would have been enough for them to go to the next round. But the Red Devils now find themselves relegated to the Europa League, and even though they deser- they got what they deserved, I mean, for them, I would say, well, you're lucky to still be competing for something. Well, and you called it even actually back uh, when we were uh, handicapping the Champions sure League. Did. I sure did. Yeah, I did. You said that it was not going to make it uh, out of out of group play, so you were absolutely right. I mean, and, and this is why I knew they would they, they would not go through because they're they're not taking care of business. They're not coming to their games fully prepared. I mean, they, they they were already on top. I mean, then they learned their lesson from that bad loss against Paris Saint Germain, and then they thought they were going to take a cheap, easy win against RP Leipzig. That's the mentality that I'm talking about. I mean, I mean, of course, all these people are saying uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer needs to be sacked. Really, look, he deserves part of the blame, but sacking Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not going to help. It's honestly going to make things worse. I think he needs to stay at least finish out the season. I think finish out the season. I think uh, use the Europa League as a way to vet uh, some of the young players. I know that um, if anything, right now there's probably a lot more um, talk as far as in social media on Harry Maguire than there is actually on firing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, a lot of people have been really ragging on him, but uh, but still, very very disappointing result for the Red Devils. I mean, Harry Maguire. Well, I mean, I hate to say this, but he's he's right now regarded as one of the worst signings in the club's history. Uh, he's still not as bad as Alexi Sanchez. Oh, well, yeah, well, definitely not as bad, <laughs> but he's in the, he's in the top ten. I mean, Sanchez is probably is it fair to say he's, he's the worst of all time? He's he's probably the worst Manchester United signing, you know, that I can recall. You know, maybe there are people that are older than me who watched longer can think of a signing that was worse, but I I think it was a pretty bad signing. 
I mean, then, that, um, that's why I say Man U fans have no right to laugh at Liverpool for getting Virgil van Dijk at that price because, you know, look at us. But anyway, but as far as Man U goes, you know, if they win, the, if, if they win out the Europa League, then that, that's a bit of pride. But, you know, it's your fault that it happened. Take responsibility and just, you know, make the best out of it. You know, win, win the Europa it, League, get, get finish in the top four, and then just start over. But... If there's an English club that's going to win the Europa League, it's not going to be Man U. It's going to be either Tottenham or, or Leicester City. And at this oh, yeah. point, at, at this point of of the English clubs that are that are left in the Europa League, right now I think Tottenham has to be one of the big favorites um, to win this thing, since nobody has to worry about Seville defending their title since they made it to the round of 16 for the Champions League. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Tottenham is going to win it all, but as far as, you know, sacking Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I mean, I, I, I don't know what good it would do because really I can't think of a name who's uh, of a suitable candidate who, who could take over. Yeah, I I just think any talk of getting rid of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in midseason right now, who are you going to bring in and um... – you know what else are you going to do? I mean, you do have some good players that are there. I mean, you know, you got Bruno Fernandez, who's absolutely a stud, and um, you know, again, who are you going to bring in exactly. uh, to replace? I mean, right, right uh, now, the best thing to focus on, deal, get you know, finish the Paul Pogba drama. You know, take care of it. I mean, in, in Pogba's case, if he does go to Juventus or Paris Saint Germain by any chance. I'll be happy because he deserves better, and I want him to stay in the Champions League because he, he doesn't deserve to be disrespected like this. True. Yeah. And on the subject of drama and big-name players wanting to leave their club, uh, Barcelona-Juventus, Barcelona with the whole drama with Messi, you know, will he stay, will he go? You know, it's, it's clear that he's desperately unhappy with the current situation with Barcelona. And right now, Barcelona's La Liga form, I think, I believe they're in eighth place the last time I looked in La Liga. So they're doing poorly in La Liga. They hosted Juventus on um, on Tuesday. Cristiano Ronaldo gets a couple of goals in the long-anticipated Ronaldo versus Messi uh, showdown. Messi did have some looks at goal. He had a few shots at goal. Uh, nothing that went in, but uh, Juventus got the clean sheet. Uh, the team from Turin, uh, they made it, they'll make it through to the round of 16. Although the talking point of this game was American Weston McKinney's oh, yes. amazing, that volley that he scored. If you have not seen this goal, you need to go to YouTube or the CBS Sports app uh, and look up on the, on the highlights for the game. Weston McKinney's goal... I think that may be the prettiest goal that I've seen an American player score in Europe. I mean, Gio Reyna has scored a couple of really nice goals for Dortmund, but as far as like with high caliber competition, Champions League, uh, it's by far and away the I think the, the best goal that I've seen an American player score. I can't tell you how many how many times already I've watched Weston McKinney's goal. I mean, I these goals, especially when it's from a young natural American talent that's part of the future for the national team, I'm going to keep watching it because this is 
it's amazing because, you know, it's not often you see American players play in Europe, you know, much less play for these huge clubs. And, uh, oh, by the way, uh, as far as Barcelona goes in La Liga, they're actually in ninth place with four wins, two draws, and four losses. And, uh, I, I mean, I was like, you know, Juventus probably will definitely is, is capable of winning, but I just didn't think it would be 3 nothing. But, of course, every you know, since Ronaldo scored twice, you know, courtesy of penalties, everybody's calling him Penaldo because, you know, everybody feels like, you know, that's the best way to score, but... Hey, if the foul was made, the foul was made. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm like, what, what do you want? What do you want me to do? And of course, Ronaldo's going to take the penalty. He's the he's the best scorer. I mean, that's what you do. You you take the best player to score the goal to, to take the penalty. That's how that's part of the sport. But uh, man, I mean, it's just it, isn't it so weird? You know, Barcelona all of a sudden is is horrible. You know, Lionel Messi. The whole I mean, there's drama. Just like you said, you're you're absolutely right. If, if we want to talk about drama, it's the Lionel Messi situation that's really the drama and. Well, and, you know, you talk about how things have changed. I mean, once upon a time, going into the round of 16, you really did not want to see Barcelona as the ping-pong ball <laughs> that with uh, the draw. Now, I think almost any team that's a higher seed, they're frothing at the mouth to probably have a chance to have Barcelona in, in the round of 16. Um, I know on some of the Liverpool boards, I know there are some people that are talking about, hey, let's take Barcelona now. Um, others are saying, well, we would really like to get revenge against Atletico Madrid. But again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> uh, uh, sticking with Spain, Seville, uh, workmanlike effort. Uh, they went to Brittany, got the 3-1 to one, uh, win against Rennes. Um, and uh, Ren, they're completely out there. European vacation is over. Uh, they won't even qualify for the Europa League. So uh, now they'll just have to settle with domestic play in France. I mean, I kind of knew this would happen because dude, this was their debut. And, and with the inexperience, you know, it's just like, you know, you're a hunter with a stick and a rock and you're, you're, in, you're thrown into the wild and you got to hunt the wolves, all the wild animals and... All you have is a rock and a stick, so that that's the situation I feel that was in Ren's case. But at least they were there. I mean, it was their first well, circuit, but well, let's not forget too. Ren also lost several of their players. Got sold. Uh, yeah. Ren Ren made some bank. Uh, they made they made a whole lot of money uh, selling Mendy to Chelsea. So uh, it was kind of unfortunate. Ren lost uh, a guy who I think has a future of being France's number one goaltender at some point because he's so young. Um, or no, wait a sec. I'm getting ahead of myself. Many born in France, but he qualifies. He plays for Senegal. So mm-hmm. never mind. My yeah. I mean, but, you, you're, you're just, you're just excited. And you're amazed. And, and I understand that. <laughs> but, uh, but, but the fact is, you know, losing Mendy and having some of the other top players for Ren sold, you know, that didn't help. So, I mean, they, they were already the equivalent of, you know, going into a gunfight armed with a butter knife. So, um, no surprise there. Borussia Dortmund wins their group uh, with style points. Um, good to see Gio Reyna, Reyna um, playing some balls, um, playing really, really well with Borussia Dortmund. Today in their in their match with Zenit Saint Petersburg, 
they had a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old, and an 18-year-old on the pitch at the same time. I mean, the amount of youth that this German club develops, it just it's just mind-boggling what, they, what they're able to come up with. That's how and, you build a team. Uh, That's how you build a team. And they ended up, ended up winning the group. Uh, Lazio was able to hold uh, Bruges to a tie. Bruges almost won it at the death. They, they hit one off the post in injury time. They almost won it in Rome. If that goal had gone in, Bruges would have leapfrogged Lazio and they would have taken a very unexpected uh, Champions League round of 16 spot. As it is, Bruges will go to the Europa Cup, which actually is a little bit of a surprise. Going into this competition, I thought that Bruges would finish a very distant fourth in this group. I thought Zenit St. Petersburg would finish ahead of them, and um, I was wrong, but Bruges played some pretty good ball in this tournament. They sure did. And, you know, and I want to go back to Ren. I mean, if there was a, I mean, if there was a player that had my eye on so much, it's it's Eduardo Camavinga. And but I'm overreacting about this. I think he's going to be fine. I still think he's going to be part of France's World Cup qualifying campaign. I mean, you know, he's a young talent. You know, he had just turned 18, I believe. So this was all just a learning experience, and I'm I'm sure he's he's going to come back better. But some, but I get the feeling that the next time he's in the Champions League. It won't be. It won't be with Ren, because like like you see, you mentioned a good key word, uh, Steve, when you mentioned they broke bank when they sold Mendy to Chelsea. Of course, they're, now they're going to want to sell Eduardo uh, Camavinga to make even more money. Oh, that one's gonna the, the money that Ren will make selling that kid is going to dwarf whatever whatever they got for Chelsea for getting Mendy because uh, this this kid is the real deal. Uh, he's a real talent. Well, here's a prediction. Paris Saint-Germain is going to make an offer. I'm sure they will. I mean, uh, you know, it's just, you know, for certain countries where you've got, like, one club that has the financial means and the power and the history, I mean, PSG, for a lot of players at other French clubs, they can pretty much get who they want. Uh, Bayern Munich is kind of like the same way. You know, they'll they get... They get players from from the other German clubs too. They get players from Dortmund, but um, but anyway, um, but going into today, there was so much high drama. Uh, Real Madrid, who had looked horrible for stretches of the Champions League, they played probably their best match of the of the Champions League. They came out with something to prove. Benzema scores a wonderful header. Uh, to go up early, one zip on uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, they end up winning that one two zip, and then um, in the other other game of that group, Inter Milan was hosting the Ukraines from Shakhtar Donetsk. And if either of those teams had won, they would have leapfrogged Borussia Dortmund, uh, but. And Shakhtar, who was, had looked so good, I mean, think about it. Shakhtar defeated Real Madrid twice, but yet they're not going to the round of 16 in the Champions League. They're going to be going to the Europa League. Inter Milan, they're staying home. They finished bottom of the group. Did not pick this. I picked Inter going into this. I picked Inter to be one of the two teams 
to go to the Champions League out of this group. So I I had this one way off. But uh, but it came down to very late. I mean, if either Inter or Shakhtar had scored a late goal, either either one of them would have leapfrogged uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And of course, they had they had that monstrous uh, goal differential against Shakhtar. I mean, it's still it's still incredible to me how how Shakhtar could look so good against Real Madrid and then get drilled for ten goals over two games <laughs> against Borussia Mönchengladbach. I mean, it was just mind boggling. And Real Madrid sneaks right through the door, the back door, and they top Group B. I mean, this Group B, you know, you know what what it reminds me of. I, it, this this is by far and away the most interesting group of the Champions League by far. Hmm. It reminds me so much of the NFC East. <laughs> but no, I don't. I don't know if I agree with that because I mean the NFC least. <laughs> You know, these are these these are those are just some generally bad teams that have played some really bad ball. Yeah. You know, these teams have played at times some really good ball, but then there at times where they've played some, you know, ferocious ball. I mean, again, Shakhtar at this level, you know, giving up ten goals over over two games, you know. That's, I mean, that's like what happens when you have a team like Bayern Munich playing a team from Latvia in like the early qualifying rounds back in the old days of the, of the of the Champions Cup. You know, that's that's the type of score that you would see. But anyway, um, it made for some very very compelling watching and uh, channel surfing today, to be sure. It sure has, and you know, Bayern Munich taking care of business against uh, Lokomotiv Moscow to nothing, and. Then we got Manchester City that just really, you know, Marseille, what's really interesting is Marseille supposedly scored at first. Dimitri Payet scored. However, it was ruled as an offside. But, you know, and Marseille needed a miracle to somehow win to qualify for the Europa League. But Manchester City said, nope, not happening. So Manchester City closed out in style and Marseille's going home with nothing. Yeah, well, at least they got a win in the competition. Uh, one little note for the American fans, uh, American goalkeeper Zach Steffen, uh, he got the start today for City against uh, Marseille, so it was great to see him. Uh, pitch a shout-out. Uh, he only had he had two saves, but uh, but one of the saves that he had was, was a really nice one. Uh, did a great job cutting down the angle and blocking one. So... Uh, so very workmanlike effort for for Man City to get the win against Marseille. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> Had a little interruption. Um, you know, there's we really got to talk about this part. Paris Saint Germain, Istanbul, Basak say here. The game originally, well, it started yesterday. Unfortunately, due to an incident, a racial abuse incident, the game was suspended. And abandoned and had to take place today. And I wasn't sure at first what exactly happened, Steve. But I did my research. I saw everything. And really, I'm disgusted by what happened. Although a lot of people say it's not a big deal. The referee just said this and didn't mean any intentional way. But what the referee said, that's not how you describe you know, a person like that. I mean, you, it was horrible. I mean, and Kylian Mbappe... Even told the the main referee we're not playing if this guy's officiating. I mean the players were protesting and I'm and I'm I'm really impressed 
with how, how they're not going to tolerate this behavior. I mean, even well, I mean, both, Pembe, I mean, they were all in solidarity, so I'm proud of them. Well, both sides have black players. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, in, in tandem, they they walked off the field together. Uh, game was suspended. Uh, replayed the game today. Finished it off. PSG beats Istanbul 5-1. to one. Uh, So, PSG tops that group that Manchester United was in. So, uh, so, so PSG, they get to be one of the seeded teams going into the round of 16. Absolutely. Great, great, great games by uh, Neymar and Mbappe. Uh, Neymar, I, I, I got to say, this was one of the best games I think I've seen Neymar play. He looked phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Scored a hat trick, but he still you know, could provide good service uh, for Mbappe and other players, uh, he he was working hard, and um, you know he's he's a player that sometimes you could love to hate because of the histrionics and you know the the flopping with style that he that he'll do, but you know he he's such a quality player. I mean, when he decides that he wants to play, Neymar is just uh, just a joy to behold and. Uh, he was a joy behold, to behold today for PSG. He was fantastic. Oh, fantastic indeed! And Kylian Mbappe scoring a brace today. Is this was I, I believe this was his first uh, two goals of the tournament. But what's really interesting is that as of today, Kylian Mbappe broke the record held by Lionel Messi as the most goals scored in a Champions League game. You know, to be the youngest player to score at the twenty Champions League uh, goals. So that's the highlight of that. But you know. 20, 21 years of age, and he's got twenty one Champions League goals already. I mean, I mean, there's twenty one year olds that are waiting for their first whiff of first team ball, and uh, Mbappe already with twenty one Champions League goals. Um, I mean, w- what else can you say? I mean, he's just such a talent. Yes, and just a uh, earlier, I think it was earlier last week against Montpellier. He scored his hundredth uh, uh, goal for Paris Saint Germain. You know, and again, you know, he's and, and PSG got him. I mean, he was playing first team ball, and was a huge reason why Monaco made their amazing run to the semifinals. I want to say four years ago, and uh, you know, he's just he's just such an amazing talent. Uh, he Mbappe is really a fun player to watch. Oh, he, he sure is, and I'm sure the future is still bright for him, and I can't wait to see him in the knockout stage. But as we close out the Champions League uh, group stage wrap-up, unfortunately, Ajax is eliminated from the tournament as Atalanta will advance. Ajax, I believe, has been relegated to the Europa League, and Atletico Madrid's cruised by RP Salzburg, and you know Porto picked up the 2-0 win, so the whole thing is set, you know, Three Spanish clubs advancing. Bayern Munich is advancing as well. Most of the pieces are true. Actually, four Spanish teams. Oh, four. Okay. The two, the, the two, the two Madrid teams, Barcelona and oh. Seville. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, Seville sometimes is easy to overlook because you're so used to seeing them in the Europa League. Um, four German clubs, three English clubs, um, and. 
four Italian clubs. And, you know, I predicted also that Seville will be the dark horse of the tournament, and so far my prediction is staying alive, so I've got some hope. Yeah, and a shout-out, too, to Atalanta Bergamo. Um, they were the surprise package, made it to the quarterfinals Champions League last year. Well, the the little team from Lombardi, they come up with the goods again, and they're going to play round of 16 ball. So uh, they went to went to Ajax, and uh, all they needed was a draw, but they got the away win. So uh, credit to Atalanta for getting through to the round of 16. Yes, indeed. And as you mentioned, earlier, early next week, we're going to find out the draw, and that's what business is really going to pick up. But now that we're done with Champions League, we're now going to switch our focus to international soccer. Ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about the World Cup qualifying phase for the European nations because the groups are officially set and qualifiers are set to begin next March. <laughs> and as I'm looking at the groups, I can't exactly decide who has the toughest group, but critics say that England does because England is drawn with Poland, Hungary, Albania, Andorra, and San Marino. Well, in that group, I think Poland is probably the toughest group in the, the toughest team in that one. Um, group A, uh, Portugal has has Serbia. That's probably their toughest opposition. Group B, uh, Spain would be the clear favorite. Sweden would probably be the biggest competition there. Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, group C, Italy, uh, who of course didn't qualify for Russia. Well, it's not going to happen again, I'll guarantee you that. You don't think Italy's going to qualify? No, no, I'm saying is, think... it, it, like Italy not qualifying, it's not oh, going yeah, ha- yeah, yeah. to happen again. Yeah, no, I think uh, Switzerland is Switzerland is going to be the, the main opposition for Italy in this group, you know, to finish on top. So I think Italy should finish on top there. No chance for Bulgaria, France unfortunately. Got, France got a very, very favorable draw by any stretch of the imagination. And yes, I realize that Finland beat France, but that was a friendly. Yeah, that was a friendly. Uh, Didn't count. So, uh, so Ukraine, Finland, Bosnia, Kazakhstan, you know, that one's going to be a battle for who finishes second. Ukraine will probably be the team that finishes second in that group. Uh, Belgium, <coughs> I don't see... I don't see Wales, Czech Republic, Belarus, or Estonia. I don't see any of them finishing ahead of the the high-flying Belgiums. Let's see. Group Group F, Denmark, Austria, Scotland, Israel, Faroe Islands, Moldova. I think Denmark wins, one, but I think Scot- I think Scotland finishes second. I think Scotland should Scotland has a very very good chance of finishing second in this group. Um, you know, I I think the Scots actually had a very very favorable draw compared to what they could have gotten. So, but Denmark I think certainly would be the the top choice there. Group G, uh, Holland, Turkey, Norway, Montenegro, Latvia, Gibraltar, the Dutch. Um, again, they've got they've got something to prove too. Holland didn't make it to the last World Cup either. And with a country that, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly small country, but they produce so much talent. It's just, it's just very, very difficult to imagine Holland not qualifying for the World Cup this time around. 
the Holland has more talent than they had four years ago. I'm talking about the likes of, you know, Donnie Vanderbeek, Memphis Depay, just to name a few. Of course, there's Virgil van Dyke. I think Netherlands tops this group, but as far as second place goes, there's a clear debate whether it's Norway or Turkey. But I think it's probably going to be Norway because I believe Erling uh, Haaland, the young uh, player who plays for Borussia Dortmund, I think he's going to be a huge difference maker for Norway in this qualifying phase. I think the Norwegians have a very good chance to finish second out of this group. Mm-hmm. Certainly good. Now we go to Group H. Now the, here's this is very interesting. Croatia, Slovakia, Russia, Slovenia, Cyprus, and Malta. Talk about those countries, Slovakia, Slovenia, and Croatia all in the same group. Yeah, you know, and of course, Croatia and Slovenia, uh, they were a part of the, the, the ex-Yugoslavia. Um, Slovakia, Russia. Russia actually... Uh, did a fairly good job in the last World Cup, um, made it to the quarterfinals, which was more than anybody expected. Um, but I think I still think Croatia still has enough uh, left to probably win this group. I think Russia. It'll, I think it'll be between the Croatians and the Russians. And I think I think the Russians will be second. That's definitely the way to go. Uh, Cyprus, I mean, Cyprus never really been good, although from what I'm told, I think back in 1990, somehow France infamously drew against Cyprus in World Cup qualifiers, but as far as Slovenia, Slovenia goes, you know, Slovenia, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, they qualified for the World Cup twice in 2002 and 2010. In 2010, they were in the same group as the United States. That's right. They actually gave the U.S. a really, really tough game. Mm, they and, did. Uh, think of of course, when I think of Slovenia, as far as sports goes, I think of a certain basketball player by the name of Luka Doncic, who, by the way, may be just a kid, but he's absolutely amazing. No, he's a stud. Mm-hmm. Uh, group Group I, England, Poland, Hungary, Albania, Andorra, San Marino. Um, boy, I'll tell you, England's young talent, and they're producing some really creative players. Jack Grealish. Uh, such an entertaining guy to watch, but they still they've got they've got guys who can score now. Um, Calvert Wood, um, what you call? Uh, not Jamie Vardy. He's done with his international duty. Um, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford as well. Yeah, I mean they've got they've got guys who who can score. I think England's. England's biggest Achilles heel right now is, I mean, out of all the top goaltenders in England right now in the EPL, there's no English goalkeeper that really comes immediately to mind as, as one of the best goaltenders in the country, which is, which is funny because once upon a time, England produced really, really great goaltenders. Uh, Gordon Banks, who's, you know, sort of synonymous with, with the position, uh, uh, Ray Clements, who just recently died uh, a few weeks back, he was a Liverpool and Tottenham legend. Peter Shilton, who played at uh, Nottingham Forest, helped them win a couple of titles. So England used to produce really, really top-flight goaltenders, but right now that's that's probably their biggest Achilles heel. But by far and away, their their biggest competition in that group is going to be Poland. 
absolutely. But I think England tops the group. I think they finish with. I think they 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 win nine games, and then have one draw. I think they draw against Poland on the road, but I think England goes undefeated at home, and they easily take care of the likes of Albania, Andorra, and San Marino. I mean, you can't lose to San Marino, right? That's impossible. No. <laughs> and I don't mean. I mean. No. I mean no disrespect, but. But uh, Group J, Germany, Romania, Iceland, North Macedonia, Armenia, Liechtenstein. So, really good group if you like blondes. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, though, Germany Germany is clearly the class of, of this group. Romania, they're many, many years away from when they had their, their great performance at the, the U.S. World Cup back in 1994 with Georgie Haji led the Romanians to the to the quarterfinals. Uh, you know, their their golden period for Romanian soccer was kind of at that point in time in the early nineties. Uh Stella Bucharest had won um, the Champions Cup. But that's a long time ago. Uh, I think out of this group, I think Iceland is probably going to be taking second out of this group. A team that used to be an absolute afterthought. Now all of a sudden has become you know pretty fair to middling side and uh, not it's not an easy win anymore. So I think Iceland has a very good shot at taking second out of this group. I think so too, but I don't want to cut out North, North Macedonia because North Macedonia is in the Euro. Well, that's true too. That's true too. But um, but yeah, I, I think the competition will be for second place in this group. Absolutely. But I got to ask you about Group D. Um, you think, how do you think France, so, you, so you're still going with France tops the group, but if you want to say how many wins do you think realistically they'll have? Well, I mean, they're going to win the group going away. I mean, I mean, because honestly, I mean, when it comes to, you know, the French national team, I mean, sometimes the mentality is not there and they don't, they underperform, but. But I can't. I, I, I see them topping the group. But I think I, I think I see also see ten wins as possible. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think nine wins is realistic. Nine wins and one draw. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think they should get eight to nine wins pretty easily. I mean, last qualifiers they drew against Luxembourg at home, so that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, but again, you know, this is going to be for qualifying, so. You know, we'll we'll see. I mean, if they if they keep their focus, and that's that's really what Didier Deschamps has to do. That's his challenge. He's got you know unbelievable talent at his disposal. It's just a question of keeping him focused. Mm-hmm. I think I have a feeling that Eduardo Camavinga is going to make a huge difference in this uh, qualifying. I think Mbappe is probably going to be the the leader, and Olivier Giroud is going to work his way up to becoming France's all time leading scorer. But I think the young talent like Mbappe, Eduardo Camavinga, Marcus Duram, I really believe that those those guys, they're going to prove a point. Yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches for Didier Deschamps with all these young kids that he gets to that he gets to choose from. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I think that's but that's pretty much how I see the the Euro qualifiers. Yeah, yeah so the, the favorites are clear, but. Now that we're done talking about international soccer, the Champions League Premier League, and unfortunately, this was news that you gave me right before we started because, and I looked at my phone, and apparently the reports came out an hour ago, but ladies and gentlemen, Italian legend Paolo Rossi has passed away. 
And, and, and what's sad oh. is, you know, this this is like a little over a week, you know, after the passing of Diego Maradona. So that's two that's two '80s legends, you know, soccer legends from the '80s gone. Well, he was the just as Maradona was the face of the '86 World Cup. Paulo Rossi was the face of the '82 World Cup in Spain. And, um, you know, Italy, there was so much controversy with the, with the Italian side. Um, Paolo Rossi had been uh, suspended by Italian soccer for a couple of years. He had been accused of, max, of uh, match fixing. Initially, it was supposed to be a three-year banishment, but ended up being two. And uh, the Italian manager, Enzo Birzot, uh, calls him to the squad because although Italy could defend, 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 he really needed somebody who could score. And in the first three games, Italy was very underwhelming in that World Cup and group play. They had, three, they had um, I want to say they had three draws, so they just barely made it through. But then uh, they beat Argentina – and then when they played Brazil, and this is one of the best Brazilian teams that I had ever seen in '82. This is a team that had Socrates and Zico and Junior. It's probably the best soccer team to not win a World Cup, and nobody picked Italy. Uh, Paulo Rossi scores a hat trick against Brazil, knocks Brazil out of the tournament. Semifinals against Poland. Scores two goals against the Poles in Barcelona. Uh, they get to the final against West Germany. Scores a goal, and uh, Italy ends up winning that one uh, four to one to lift the World Cup. And uh, he would end up winning a, a European Cup in '84 with Juventus. But uh, but yeah, Paul Rossi was only 64 years old. He's only four years older than me for crying out loud. I mean, and it's just it's just so sad. And it's just it's it's really tough watching guys in my age group drop in the last couple of weeks, especially guys who are top flight type flight professional athletes. But uh, I know that Rossi had been uh, a pundit on RAI, uh, the Italian news network, when they would do soccer coverage and stuff. I know he was one of the, the he was basically Italian television's version of Gary Lineker. Um, so. Um, but yeah, you know, just just very very sad news, and uh, twenty twenty just sucks. Twenty twenty does suck, and and as we we're closing this out, I mean, I, I don't particularly have, I, I sort of do have a favorite memory of Paulo Rossi, and I'm talking about a commercial that they made for the 2014 World Cup, which was in Brazil. They have Rossi in a barber shop owned by a by a Brazilian barber. If if you've seen the commercial, you know, like he shows the car. oh, it's great. Yeah, the the barber it's, realizes it's it, and yeah. You know, the, he, <laughs> Paulo Rossi's sitting in the chair and he's flashing back to these goals that Rossi scored uh, to beat Brazil. It, if you look it up on YouTube, it's a hysterical commercial. Yeah. But I, I thought it was really clever. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the last few times I had seen Rossi uh, for interviews or anything on TV, I, I thought he looked great. And, um, you know, it's, it's just sad. I mean, it's just uh, en- enjoy your time that you have on this earth because you know you, you just don't know. And um, but he, he sure he sure made an awful lot of Italians happy 
1982, that's for sure. He sure did. And my, my dad spoke about that certain World Cup because that year, while my dad was supporting France, he was also heavily supporting Brazil because, like you mentioned, this was Brazilian team. To say that they were loaded is an understatement. And then, all I mean, my dad, he tells me the story. He saw the game. <laughs> and... I mean, I don't know how exactly how he reacted. I mean, I could ask him. He'll probably just say I didn't. He'll probably just say I, I didn't care. But I know the Brazilians. I mean, the Brazil. I mean, in that same commercial, you see a Brazilian dude pick up the TV and throw it out of the window. I mean, that's kind right. of right. I mean, that's what they do. And yeah. what's so funny at the end of the commercial, who comes in? Who comes in right after Rossi walks out? Uh, I don't. I, was, I don't remember. It was he done. Oh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But uh, but anyway, but yeah, a little bit of sad news to to finish the pod. So that was yeah. that was really tough to hear. Well, may Paulo Rossi rest in peace. You know, you know, twenty twenty just sucks. But God rest his soul. May he rest in peace. He's a legend. No one will ever forget the great accomplishments. He was just a hell of a player. That's but, right, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to remind everybody that into the net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Steve, I want to thank you so very much for coming and talking soccer again with, with me this evening. I look forward to having you back on next week. Good to talk with you, Alex. Everybody, have a good rest of your week. Stay healthy, everybody. Bye-bye now. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.